What up, everybody? Sup? Welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Perspective, aka PCP. PCP. Ooh, Jinx. Uh, dang, I owe you a soda. I don't like soda, so you can have it. Oh, I owe me a soda. <laughs> Self care. It's a partnership right there. Uh, speaking of partnership, what's your name be? Meepster. Bingo. And my name is Poetic Soul. And don't forget it. Because we won't let you. Never. This is season two. Yes, it is. We are not live and direct, but we're direct. That's a callback to the first season. Yes. Uh, so this season yeah. is a little bit more serious. But we're still going to have fun with it. We are. Because that's what I'm for. <laughs> <laughs> uh as you guys are pretty pretty aware, like, life sucks in 2020. Uh, Fuck yeah, it does. And it sucks for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. But if you have not been hiding under a rock, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen the Black Lives Matter movement and all that jazz. And as a black person, I believe my life matters. So. And as a friend of a black person, I believe that his life matters. We decided just to give you guys some, like, education it's just not education it's just you know it's education and awareness there you go because the more you know shooting star so these are just a little bit of history a little bit of facts a little bit of monica in my life <laughs> all that stuff but we'll, we'll still keep the thunder the the humor going and all that jazz and other musical numbers from the hit chicago and with that being said, Meepster. How the fuck did we get here? Exactly. Just kidding, I know. <laughs> so, in 2012, Trayvon Martin was murdered by a man named George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman was tried for second-degree murder, and the results of the trial started the movement for Black Lives Matter. I think to myself, like, man, this is going to be covered, well, hopefully, this is going to be covered eventually in, like, history books, and... Hopefully. Yeah, this... I was alive. I remember these incidents and things of that nature, and I'm just like, hopefully my kids will be reading about this. Um, yeah, so that sparked the Black Lives Matter, and I think that it's important that we speak on the social media aspect of things, because we're pop culture perspective. Hi. And it's crazy that a hashtag can inspire so many people to want to have a call to action. It's also amazing how social media, the rise of social media, has this great way of spreading awareness mm -hmm. to society. Especially now, because if you look at our society and what we are, we're all in bubbles. We're all sheltered in place and need to use the internet to be the windows to outside. And... I feel that that's something that you see a little bit different in this movement that's going on in terms of protest and protesting. It's a lot of people have the time to be home and out in the streets. A lot of people have the time to do their research and be aware. But I will also say there's a lot more people in positions of agency and power that can say, hey, I'm going to stand for my blackness. I'm going to stand for my my friends, my cohorts, and I'm going to remove myself from your monetary or 
the capital that you gain from me unless you also take a stand as a corporation because our corporations we treat them like living being living living beings within our society they have rights too so because of that i feel that's really where you're seeing that pushback where legislation is starting to change and all of a sudden netflix wants to be like i want to be different too we're gonna have a lot of black spotlights <laughs> hey girlfriend moesha you peeing over her sister sister exactly but with the media said it can also go the opposite way oh can it go the opposite way yeah so the reason why this trial is so important and was the start of the black lives matter movement is because george zimmerman was how do you say the word acquitted acquitted i learned that when i was a kid because of the oj trial meaning that well i'm gonna let you do it Uh, basically when you get acquitted, it's not saying, it's not an admission of like guilt or not guilty. It's more so that the prosecution doesn't have enough evidence to prove your guilt. So because they don't have enough evidence, you know, you can't really continue the trial. I think one of the biggest things that came out of this besides the Black Lives Matter hashtag is also a lot of light was shed on like Florida's legislation, such as the stand your ground laws. What? is that exactly um there the standard ground law is basically means that if you're protecting yourself you're allowed to use lethal force in that protection of self uh it's crazy because if you look at the history of it it's relatively new as a law how old do you think it is Mm, i say it started i want to say it started from this but i also want to say that it's much older than this, but I also have a feeling that it's like decades older than this, <laughs> but it just like unofficially it was a law, but now it's like an official law. And because of like this discrimination against minorities. Mm-hmm. It's. It's one of those things that I always think about, like, in terms of how our society is structured. We are born into a situation, obviously, that we have no control over. And then we have to follow all these laws and legislation that a lot of which we had no control over and addiction in. And were created in a time that we weren't even alive in. A lot of major ones. Wait, when was this law? This one was created in 2005. But it just always makes me think like how we think about laws as if they were something created outside of other humans. As if laws themselves can't be corrupted and cause harm. Oh, like it was made from God or something like that? Exactly. With this stand your ground law, did it protect George Zimmerman? Yes, it, it protected him from murder charges. Uh, just wow. yeah, it's crazy because of the influence that the NRA has and the super uh, fun places and corporations. Remember, I said how earlier they have rights as well. Well, like Fox News. Yeah, yes, in a way, their parent corporation. I guess you would look at it. Um, for instance, the Koch brothers or whatever, however you pronounce their the Koch brothers, don't think C O K E. It's like K O something. But they own a lot of stuff, like a lot, a lot of stuff behind the stuff that you think and know brand wise. And so they really push for this legislation in regards to like funding from Walmart and all these other places. So that's another reason why it's such a big legislation, because this this piece of legislation that protected this man was only created because of corporations greed and their want for money and supposed 
Well, and that money. money definitely affects how the media is going to see things. Exactly, because they're so powerful. Yeah, because like Fox News was saying, at least from this article that I'm reading, <laughs> um, that Zimmerman was not treated fairly, said, said, it was said on Fox News, and that now George Zimmerman was now the victim of a president who was overreaching. Mm. What does that mean? Uh, basically, they try to paint GZ as this guy who was just caught in a political uh, battle. How he was just an example to be made made of, to be made of, and that's kind of the just bestowed. That's kind of what the media does. Quite often, it takes somebody who was killed, murdered, mangled. And creates this, especially if they're a minority, and creates this picture of them being a horrible person, a bad person. Whereas it takes the other person, usually a white body or a lighter body, and makes them appear to be, well, they once helped out with their school mural and painted something green. Yeah, because Trayvon, they kind of twisted the story, right? Mm -hmm. Because the media was now saying that Trayvon had been skipping school and he was suspended for writing W2... WTF on the hallway locker and that he had amounts of THC in his system so this kid's like 17 years old and you know 17 year old people usually experiment with drugs and you know do a lot of stupid shit <laughs> but because he was black mm -hmm. he was getting stalked by this adult man and this adult man who is white killed him yeah and that particular story paints paints a picture of america that has been there for a very long time because it has almost all the classic check marks of just what's really wrong in our society a birth of a nation mm. So, f for example, you got the check mark of this guy saw a black body and was like, yo, you're not from my neighborhood. What are you doing here? I'm in a position of power within my neighborhood as a, a watchman. So I'm going to trail you, a child, and figure out if you're doing anything nefarious. Because I'm white and I'm entitled to shit. And it's like, <laughs> if I see somebody in my neighborhood doing stuff... And I'm like, I don't know what this person's doing. First of all, it takes somebody, like, legitimately touching or ruffling through my shit before I'm going to be like, yo, what are you doing? Or maybe just standing there, like, on some purge stuff, just looking at us through the window. Then I'm going to be a little creepy. We're going to call the cops. Like, if they were doing something suspicious. Not walking, talking to their girlfriend on the phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, with stuff in their hands, such as food items, that's none of my business. But that's besides the point. That's actually the main point, actually, not besides the point. It's the fact that he saw this black body and instantly felt himself or his neighborhood and things that he be believed belonged to him were in danger because what he saw was a symbol. He didn't see Trayvon Martin as a human being. He saw a black person and... Based on black stereotypes. And Yeah, and the media has built up black bodies and black people for such a long time to be something that's to be feared. The black male is something to be scared of. The black male is going to take your women. The black because male black is this. people mm -hmm. are violent and aggressive and mm -hmm. they create crimes and they're dangerous and they cause a divide in white society. And 
They like to eat fried chicken. And that's the boiling point. You see that and you equate them with all these things. And he's like, I have to watch this person. I have to take it upon myself to be a savior for my neighborhood and the things that I own and have all this property. It's like Pocahontas. He never saw that movie. She told uh, John Smith that whole time, like, dude, you don't own this shit. That's stop it. Stop it. And he bypassed that. Didn't see the Disney age. So fuck him. Uh, uh, but that's like, the, those are the check marks. It's, it's all those things that are, when people talk about like institutionalized racism, that's literally what we're talking about. We're talking about the institutions such as media is part of an institution of our society now. So media, social media, uh, prison, schools, all those are connected and propagate information that's misinformation that caused people to have stereotype ideals in them and ingrained in them and they act upon them. And when they act upon them, whether knowing or unknowingly, it usually causes harm to another body. And in this case, it was death. And it's unfair. And what makes me really mad and very sad is that they literally just justified this guy's murder like Mm -hmm. killing is still killing regardless of whatever personality he had and it's just crazy to me how like he just got away with that because of his skin color because of like this systemic racism we have mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about actually poetic soul is going to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I recently actually had a coworker text me and we had this whole long conversation because I spoke on what would cause somebody's value to align with harming another person. And he took offense to that because he felt that harming another person in self-defense is a good reason to harm another person. So I informed them there's a difference between carrying acts out maliciously with the purpose to cause harm and defending oneself with the purpose to stop harm being caused to you. There's a difference between excessive force and defense of. You know how they have that flight or fight? A lot of people choose to fight when there's the option to flight. And when they choose to fight, they aren't fighting with their hands. It's not like these people are fighting fist to cuffs and dang, I'm Rocky Balboa and I just got knocked the fuck out. It's that these people are bringing guns to fist fight. These people are bringing, yeah, no, that's just it. It's just this a lot of a whole lot of guns, a whole lot of guns. Poor K. And that brings up a whole different subject, but we're not going to go there right now. Because you're going to have to look forward to that for for another episode. Uh, in regards to that, though, I will get back on the whole aspect of like social media's play on this. Trey. Trayvon's death really did help start the hashtag of Black Lives Matter. It was obviously and unfortunately another drop in the bucket because there's so many people who have been harmed, killed, murdered that built up to that hashtag. But it shows the power of social media because obviously we know hashtags are really popular on Twitter and then kind of trickled down to other places. But it it enacted people. There was a lot more protest in the street. There was a lot more people, like, all of a sudden, body cams had to be worn. A lot more people decided to start bringing out their phones and recording officers and recording other people in protection of each other. And because of that, 
fast forward to now, sadly, eight years later, the same thing is happening, but now it's the police officers and their militarization and how they've been policing us for years is finally being portrayed. And though it is something that we've always been aware of, the rest of our own society and the people around us and adjacent to us and just white people in general, as well as other minorities who weren't aware are now being made aware because they have no other choice but to sit down and look at their phones. Yes. And I do want to bring up that question that you asked me about where you said, when you think of the police, Mm -hmm. like, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you think they're supposed to do? Like, what's their role in society? That was the question you asked. And I said, I think they're supposed to protect us from crime or make us feel safe in our homes. And... um, And before we get to what Poetic Soul is going to talk about (laughs) that, I was just thinking like at this, you know, even though I've never really had a bad interaction with the police other than me speeding, but that's my fault because I was speeding. (laughs) Um, Like I'm still scared of them. And because they have a lot of power and i think police officers mostly give me anxiety rather than making me feel safe in my neighborhood because it's like when you see police officers it's like oh shit you're in trouble mm-hmm. like or you're gonna get in trouble or you have like there's this risk of you getting trouble which makes you you like i don't know if you tense up but like it feels like you know if you get in trouble it means you're you have committed a crime Mm -hmm. which also means that you either have to pay the government or whoever an amount of money or you have to go to trial and all this other like unnecessarily unnecessary bullshit that you don't want to (laughs) do and so you know i just like think of that and why is it that the people who are supposed to like make us safe make us feel the most unsafe (sighs) Yeah, it it sucks because even for me, uh, my very first encounters with officers in California was being like pulled out of the car when I, I had to be like four or five. And they were, my sister's 11 years older than me. And they were searching the car up and down. They were like, oh, there was just like a robbery that happened at this 99 cent store or whatever. And my sister's like, we just came from our high school. And they told her to shut up, da da da, use the N word, all that jazz. And up until this point, my interactions with cops was uh, police academy. So I was waiting for one of them to be boxed or something. But no, alas, I'm on. I'm getting the like light flashed in my eyes and seeing her boyfriend like thrown up against the car. And at the time, he was a Latino male. So whew, it was the 90s. They hated us. That's why you always saw super predators and all this jazz. Um, that's my first encounter like with cops and also how I learned about racism as a child. And then I also remember one day I bought a little pop gun from an uh, ice cream truck. And I was like, Dad, look, I just... And man, my dad smacked me so fast. He was like, boy, I thought I've had this conversation with you. We don't play with guns in this house. Don't you understand? You can get killed for having this. And I look back at it now and I'm like, yo, that was a silver gun too. That 
it looked real. Outside of like the orange cap, it looked real enough to my head to where it's like I could have really died if I would have played with my white friends with that item outside. Is, what's a pop gun? Is that like a, a pop gun had like this white powder that you would insert into the gun and when you pull the trigger it would actually like it's like like small baby powder. You know those little things that were tied in the little balls that you throw in the ground yeah. and they just pop. Oh, so when I you pull see. the trigger, it made noise. It was supposed to sound like a gun. Um, but I couldn't play cops and robbers and stuff like that with those items. Can you believe that was a game? And it's all because of racism. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I, I couldn't play cops and robbers as a kid because there was the chance of me being shot as a child because I had a weapon because black bodies are looked at as being these hyper-masculine, dangerous entities. You know, I never had a white friend before. Or maybe they're like my acquaintance. Actually, I had one white friend. Or wait, I think he was Greek. So does that count as white? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it does. It does? It does, yeah. Oh, okay. Then I guess I had a white friend growing up. It's crazy. Whiteness in America, that has changed too. Because originally Irish people weren't considered white. Jewish people weren't considered white. They transitioned into that with their acquisition of capital. And that's what Caucasian meant is... The what? overarching people from the caucus region? Sure. <laughs> but, no, like... It was a separation, though. There was even um, bigotry and slurs towards people who are considered white today to ostracize them and differentiate them and other them so that they weren't considered white people. I wish you guys can just, like, see me just trying to think. <laughs> oh, you know, a good example of this, and I say good... Only because it's just a, a, a decent movie. It's Gangs of New York. Watch that movie and it actually depicts how Irish people were treated when they first came here in Hell's Kitchen and all that jazz. And it's true, like, Irish people weren't considered white people. That's crazy. That is crazy. You're actually starting to see it, uh, a transition now with Latinos and those who can consider be considered passing. Because they can almost ascend into whiteness in terms of, like, literally what their master class is. As well as gaining a little bit more capital because their networks are stronger because they use those networks in general. Networks, everybody. If you have a friend, reach out. So in a nutshell, that's that was the story on how hashtag Black Lives Matter. So let's... Fast forward. Wait, that's the rewind sound. And so now with our current president, I'm not going to say his name because he doesn't deserve like a shout out, a shout out in our podcast, even though I feel like we did say his name once, but I don't know. But so with the current president now, like how has racism kind of been more aware through these times you know i think what's really made things very transparent is how things have been handled though as a black person i wasn't a the biggest fan of how obama handled situations when it came to like law enforcement and their dealings with shootings he was very well black people have have, have, had had to deal with a lot of racism in the past but I, I think if we come together, this is something we can really do together. So he was very inclusive. He, his statements were roundabout and very like, hey, white people, uh, racism is real. 
but black people understand that there's some white people who don't understand that racism is real. So, so, so be patient with them. Those were his messages. Mm-hmm. Whereas the current acting president has not tried to even pacify <laughs> the black side of anything. It's it's interesting because I feel like Obama really included the younger generation into like sending um having his messages like send out like throughout the world and i feel like trump doesn't really reach out to the young people he reaches out to like the rich white class americans now i will say he does reach out to the young people you're just not the young people he's reaching out to oh i see because he reaches there's a lot of young trump supporters but that's because their families a lot of times, yes, it is because of their families, but some of them have just decided that they align with his 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 I governing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like his the the way he does stuff. And the thing is, a lot of people you hear them say, "Well, he just speaks the truth," and da da da. It's just that he speaks your truth, and he is pandering. So where Obama decided to lead and speak with a sense of empathy, you don't feel that empathy from the acting president. You feel a sense of well, everything is great, and it's just gonna be great because I'm great. You hear a broken record. You hear a broken record. Uh, the, to be completely honest, a lot of times when something goes down, you look at your leader like, yo, what's the next course? How are we supposed to handle this? Da-da-da-da. As a nation, this is a nation that has consistently had stuff ingrained in it, and it's gonna continue that way. That's understandable, but change can still be made which should be something that we aspire to. And it doesn't feel that the change that he is enacting is anything other than emboldening, em, empowering those who felt that they were relegated to the shadows in terms of their opinion of hate. So I feel that where people were being pushed to the fringes of, hey, racism is bad, bro, like, chill. White supremacy, ideal, um, idealism, and national idealism is being emboldened by his words and action because it's purposeful. He's trying to create this emotion of the people who are in power actually being ostracized and other and losing their jobs. And that's always been the case. It's always, you guys are going to lose something. You guys, they're taking this from you. They're taking that from you. When you think, see Birth of a Nation, what was the first thing that they were talking about? Black people coming in and taking their jobs and taking, taking all this women, stuff. Taking the, their right to vote. And now what do you see? You see the rhetoric is Latinos are going to be taking their jobs. They're going to be taking their women. They're going to MS-13 this and MS-13 that. And I live in a place that legitimately had like real life like members and stuff like that. And it's still not as crazy as he says. Stuff is crazy. I'm not going to say stuff is not crazy. It's also like we live in California and we're kind of in a bubble. Like we're mm -hmm. different from places like Texas or what are some other. But if, (laughs) if, but the thing is, though we are different, if you look at our crime rates and things of that nature, even with our our police force, the police force in California has committed some of the most, (laughs) they kill way more people than any other police force outside of, I think, like New York. I I believe that, actually. And we're a democratic state, supposedly. Interesting. But, you know, like, overall, like, I th- I still don't believe, like, this is our president. Like... I know, it's so weird. Like, it's... I remember that day. And I remember... We were having champagne. <laughs> and, like, we were looking at our phones. And we were all like, 
oh shit, he's president. And we're like, no, what? No way. <laughs> it's so bad that if we, we just recently rewatched American Horror Story and we're like, yo, it's cult, which is basically him winning the presidency in that timeline. And then right after that is the apocalypse. And I'm like, damn, 2020 oh is looking God. real American Horror Story-ish. That's crazy. Yo. But with with that being said, it's it's a lot of times people just need a banner and a flag to fly under to help them think that their opinions are true. People are hurt on a consistent basis from other people. And they want to blame people. And they want to find sources for that pain. And they want to find reasons to hate. Uh, we will probably what speak on this. What was that quote that you were saying about villains? If you live long enough, you'll see yourself turn into a villain? What? No, What's you on? said something... Uh, no one thinks they're... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. No one thinks they're a villain in their own movie. Like, people are enacting these things thinking that they are good people or that they are on the side of justice. And that's based off of how they've been socialized and how they've been raised in their worldview. And it sucks that a lot of times when they see pushback of what their worldview is, their action isn't to learn more and try to broaden that bubble. It's to buckle down in that bubble. And that's the problem that we're seeing. When people buckle down when hit with facts, it is fact. Like their rationalization becomes irrational. Yes, because it's not based off of anything rational. It's only based off of opinion. It's not based off of fact. It's based off of maybe that person's outlier experience in their life. Like, oh, this one black person hurt me, so all black people must be this way because media also tells me black people are this way. Rather than resetting that and having other encounters with other people to expand their horizons and it sucks because that's where it shows that it's a double blade when in terms of racism because not only are you harming the person or people you're also harming yourself and your seeds and the people who are going to come after you in your line because now you're limiting your network you're limiting the people that you can learn from and grow from and that's what we call denial yeah it's not only a place in africa what <laughs> Denial River. <laughs> it's really in Egypt, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Africa. I miss you. <laughs> I mean, um, yes, Poetic Soul, you expressed yourself. <laughs> I've never been to Africa, but, you know, I'd like to go one day, before, you know, after I go to Japan. Yeah. I'm going to just let you talk now. <laughs> well, I mean, when we say Africa, obviously we want to go to a specific country. We don't know which country, but someday we'll be there. Uh, South Africa? You know, I love South Africa because it's part of Africa, but the colonization in that place, I I admittedly did the DNA test stuff, and so I'm pretty sure there's a clone of me hibernating somewhere, but it was worth it because I found out I'm mostly Nigerian, and that's where I would want to go, Nigeria. And, and that's in South Africa. No. West Africa. West Africa. So there's like the sub-Saharan and all that jazz in terms of regions. And when people say South Africa, that is actually a country in and of itself. That is basically like... it's like like North Korea and South Korea. Yes. Okay. But that's like one of the biggest places in terms of... It's a long story. We're not going to get into it. And that's crazy because I feel like I'm not the only one that does not know this. A lot of people don't know. Yeah. Fun fact, they were under apartheid as, as recently as Trevor Noah's birth. 
So Trevor Noah. Yes, that's that's how I knew about South Africa. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you don't know what apartheid is, it basically means that uh, black people and white people were still separated within culture to the point where they couldn't even get married within that. It was like a caste system going on. So Trevor Noah was born into a family with a white mom, black dad, black dad, white mom. I don't know off the top of Something. my head. I don't know off the top of my head, but read his book, do the research. I think it's a white dad, like a white dad. Yeah, white dad. Either way, they had to hide the fact that he was born. Uh, so America, rest assured, we understand racism isn't just you. It's everywhere. I, I consistently think to myself, what did my great, 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 great ancestors do to piss off the entire, the entire world this way? Like, nothing. It must have been Eve. Like the girl with that. Like she, she was just must have been blacker than black. And then God was like, for sure, we got you and the rest of your people. And that's what's going to happen the world over. Y'all just going to be hated on. You, you're going to be cool amongst yourselves sometimes, but you're mostly going to be hated on no matter where you go. That's sad. Yeah. But that's how, like, the Christians look at it and the Catholics, I guess, right? That no. you're going to be hated. Well, I mean, they looked at it as, like, the Israelites were going to be a hated people and cast out. And that bloodline, no matter what, is going to be that way just because they're always going to be on the side of, like, the Lord and things of that nature. But... I don't think they've ever looked at it as, oh, this is why black people, black people have looked at it that way. We've traced our roots back to Ethiopia and said, like, within the Christian doctrine, this is why we're cursed people. Not to say that that's actually what it is, but that's what. Yeah, I know nothing about religion. So. Evangelicals have, have started to say, well, black evangelicals. Um, Kendrick Mar- Lamar says it in a song, too. Um, I don't know what song that is. I think DNA. Check it out. DNA. But on that note, uh, that was episode one. Loyalty and loyalty just like my DNA, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You only know that because they're in the humble. Yes, and <laughs> I kind of saw him at Coachella. No, I didn't. I was walking back to the tent because I was tired as fuck. Man, if I was Penny, I'd be proud. Uh, like proud family? Dang, Meepster, you come out here with a bag of tricks. It's not just for kids, y'all. Uh, with that being said, that is episode one, season two. Yes. And we're going to keep continuing to talk about this topic yeah. and stuff relating to this topic. So stay tuned. Yeah, it's going to get a little bit more in depth. So just be aware of that. I believe in y'all and your ability to grow. And again, this is for awareness and education. We try not to be on a bias judgment against. Yeah, I'm. as you can see, I don't hate anybody. We don't hate anybody. Except, you know, maybe the president. And it's still <laughs> a strong word because I don't know him personally. But I will say, I hate that nigga. <laughs> okay, on that note. Peace, peace out. out. Eight down, down. Wow, jinx. Dang it, another soda to myself. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys later.